Hello and welcome to the www.findiningguide.co.uk podcast episode 3. We anticipate that each episode will be around 10 minutes in length with a changing format. Any research that is referenced can be found for your further reading or interest by following the links on the website to the podcast's page. Fine Dining Guide was founded in 2004. We have approximately 15,000 page views a month from around 7,000 unique visitors. The top three most popular pages of the 150 page site are first the overall home page, second the Michelin section home page and third, somewhat surprisingly, the Michelin Bib Gourmand page. The entire site highlighted by the 1% Club is targeted at the top 1% of restaurants in Britain, that is the top 500 out of approximately 50,000. In this podcast we will start a new feature, the top 10s. In this case the top 10 restaurants in London, and not any old top 10, the top 10 according to the three leading guides, the Michelin Reg Guide, the Which Good Food Guide and the AA Guide, with a weighted point scoring system. 10 points per Michelin star, 3 points per which good food guide mark out of 10, and 2 points for each AA rosette. So here it is, London's top 10. In 10th place, Mandarin Oriental, Foliage, Hyde Park, with 1 Michelin star, 5 out of 10 in the Good Food Guide, and 5 AA rosettes, a total of 31 points. From now on I'll just give the point score. In equal 8th, Sketch, Lecture Room and Library, Mayfair, 32 points. Equal 8th, Locanda Locatelli, Marble Arch, 32 points. Big Jump, 7th place, The Capital, Knightsbridge, 41 points. 6th, The Gavroche, Mayfair, 42 points. 5th, Tom Aitkins, Chelsea, 43 points. In equal third, The Square, Mayfair, 44 points. Equal with Pied-à-Terre, Fitzrovia, 44 points. In second place, the second best restaurant in London, Petrus, Belgravia, 46 points. And a big jump to the number one, the one and only, Gordon Ramsay, Royal Hospital Road, 55 points. That's it, the top 10 in London. And so, the top two restaurants in London, Gordon Ramsay's flagship at Royal Hospital Road, Chelsea, and Marcus Waring's Petrus at the Barclay Hotel. Gordon and Marcus go back a long way. From 1993, Marcus was sous-chef to Gordon at Aubergine. They rose through the ranks of Michelin together, before Gordon rewarded Marcus with his own restaurant in St James's Street. For a period the cooking there was sublime, and one wondered whether the pupil was surpassing the master. Michelin was slow to see it that way, with Petrus in its new home at the Barclay only elevated to two stars in the last publication. Rumours have been around in the fine dining world for at least a year that Marcus was unhappy in the relationship with Gordon Ramsay Holdings and wanted his freedom. Finally, come September 2008, he 
is expected to have a direct relationship with the Barclay Hotel. Reported stories and interviews in the trade press suggest a somewhat bitter parting of the ways. Fine dining guides salute and respect what these two men have achieved over the last 15 years for fine dining in Britain and wish both every success in the future. 2008 will see Silvano Giraldin, the original master of the culinary art known as Les Arts de Table, retire as restaurant manager from the Gavroche. At the same time, one of his protégés, Diego Machaga, will celebrate 20 years as the face of the Michelin three-star Waterside Inn Yes, some well-deserved applause there for Silvano and Diego, and congratulations and all the best to both of them. Should you, like many, enjoy the distinct aromas of Ipoise and Chambertin, or Liveroe and Munster, or simply enjoy the theatre of watching the cheese trolley being wheeled around the restaurant, then Fine Dining Guide brings sad news. It would appear that EU health and safety regulations may make this traditional part of the restaurant experience something of the past. And so to the final piece for today, the Fine Dining Guide editorial on tipping. What is the origin of the word tip in the context of giving thanks for good service? The short answer is that no one really knows. There are two romantic urban myths. The first is that a gentleman in the 17th century would tip his hat to say thank you and one day this coincided with the handing over of monies. The second and considerably more popular romantic conjecture is that early tea and coffee houses held a box in the corner with the words inscribed to ensure prompt service. Over time this was abridged to tips. Etymologists tell us that prior to the start of the 20th century there's no single example of an acronym providing the derivation of a word. One suggested fact often cited is that literature first described a tip in 1706. Then I, sir, tips me the verger with half a crown in George Farquhar's play, The Bow Stratagem. 300 years later, there's a lot of confusion for different reasons about tips in restaurants. At the turn of the 1990s, the US IRS noticed missing tax dollars from the tipping of croupiers in casinos. This prompted later closer examination of restaurants, where the IRS found an estimated shortfall of $9 billion in tax revenue. Where the spotlight falls in the US, sometime later the spotlight falls in the UK. The UK, however, is more complicated not only because it is laden with different old customs and practices, but also the legal structure is very different. There's the minimum wage, PAYE, national insurance and VAT. Untangling where and when tips qualify as income for each or any is a matter for sophisticated consultants and accountants. Some clarity has come into view recently with acknowledgement that tips cannot make up the difference in a basic wage that is set below the minimum wage. The minimum wage is the minimum wage and tips go on top. The most commonly used system for pooling and dividing up tips in the UK is called a tronc, literally meaning trunk, or the French example tronc des pauvres, meaning poor box. Here a point system is used to reward members of front of house and kitchen staff. The administrator or tronc master, sounds grand and slightly masonic, 
has the unenviable job of ensuring that all taxes are appropriately avoided and not evaded. More complexity arises from the UK practice of a 12.5% discretionary charge taken on credit card slips. The restaurateur has processed his payments and experienced a 2% or more administration charge from the credit card company. Owners too might point to damages and breakages and whether they should be covered as expenses taken from the pool of tips. In any event, everyone, the restaurateurs, the waiting staff, the customers and the government would all appreciate clarity and transparency, although achieving this is understandably more difficult than first thought. That concludes episode 3 of Fine Dining in the UK, the podcast by finediningguide.co.uk. Until next time, happy eating.